Time for us to check in with Vaughn Palmer from the Vancouver Sun on a very busy Wednesday for him. Lots of stuff coming up. Good morning, Vaughn. Good morning, Simi. Like, I know the media is going to be talking to the Premier today, right? You're going to be doing that? Actually, I'm registered for another more important event. Uh, no disrespect to John Horgan, but there is an online virtual conference rolling at 1 o'clock this afternoon between British Columbia officials and Washington state officials, members of the International Task Force <laughs> for Eradicating the Murder Hornets. I know we're not supposed to call them that, but given news reports that they've been um, blamed for the deaths of up to 50 people in Japan, I think murdered hornets is more apt than Asian giant hornets, although <laughs> God knows giant hornets is scary enough. Well, well, giant murder hornets, I think, is really how to describe these things, right? I'm glad that you're going straight to the source for this information so you can understand how they're going to get rid of them. Yeah, I, I'm, I have to say I am not optimistic. The, the press release on this event includes the following advice for residents along the border in Washington and in British Columbia, that one could bait traps for the Asian giant hornets with orange juice and brown sugar. And I'm going, why orange juice? Is there no napalm? <laughs> Are there no grenade launchers or AK-47s? It strikes me that orange juice um, is probably not sufficient uh, to stop the march of these um, threats to human life. But anyway, I, I, I know my view on it. this is not widely held, so there you go. Well, it's good to know you're all over it. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about a more serious topic, too, and I'm glad that you brought this up because I wanted to talk about Ian Waddell today as well, hearing that he had passed away. I was so surprised to hear this, and he was such a pivotal part of BC political history. Yeah, he was a federal MP for a long time, Vancouver Kingsway, uh, from the, what, 1979 through to the 90s uh, also, then, then switched to provincial politics and was a provincial cabinet minister in the Glenn Clark government and the Ujjal Desange government to uh, 2001. Uh, so, yeah, I, you know... Um, it's interesting. Adrian Dix, who worked for him as a as a political staffer and organizer, said yesterday when he thinks of of Ian Waddell, he always thinks of Ian Waddell smiling. And I have to say that so that true. was my reaction too. Um, that's not the way I think of every politician I've covered. But um, Waddell really was a was a happy warrior. Yes, uh, he sometimes took no prisoners as a partisan, but generally, um, you know, he was a positive force, uh, a positive person. And I think had friends across the political aisle again, which is not always the case in B.C. politics. That is so true. Uh, And he did a lot in B.C. He was the tourism minister, wasn't he, for a long time? Tourism minister, very important in the rise of the film industry in British Columbia. He was one of the first ministers to really tackle that and and set up some of the credits, although there's a lot of people share that victory, of course. Uh, The other thing is he was the minister um, when British Columbia successfully became the nominee Canada's nominee to pitch for the 2010 Winter Olympics. So Glenn Clark was the premier and Clark made the pitch, but Waddell was the minister. And, you know, the the Canadian Olympic Committee picked 
Vancouver over Quebec City, and of course that led to the eventual awarding of the 2010 Winter Olympics to British Columbia. So, you know, Waddell was uh, one of the things he did. Again, uh, you know, uh, (laughs) I was looking at the files on this this morning and was amused to see that Waddell had said they would only cost us a couple of hundred million dollars. (laughs) And that Waddell later came along and said, well, if I'd known how much it was going to cost, I'm not sure I would have thought it was such a great (laughs) idea. But uh, the Olympics are seen as uh, very very positive by most people and so I think he deserves a bit of the credit along with everybody else. But also you talked about Adrian Dix working for him as an aide and a campaign organizer. Didn't Glenn Clark also work for him? Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, Clark, uh, I think uh, what else, first campaign uh, Glenn Clark was uh, was his, in 79, Glenn Clark was uh, was a political staffer for him as well. Uh, John Horgan overlapped with Waddell when Waddell was in Ottawa. I think Horgan was there as a political staffer as well. So, you know, there were, and I and I noticed uh, overnight George Abbott, who was a liberal cabinet minister, uh, was on the internet over on Twitter overnight saying the same thing that Waddell was one of those politicians who could reach across the aisles and uh, reach out to his opponents and and deal with them with respect and look uh you know bc politics uh, you want to remember somebody like that i think ian waddell will be genuinely missed he will be uh, let's talk about what's going on in penticton now as well like this seems to be getting nastier and nastier between the city the the community of penticton and housing minister david eby yeah it's a pretty nasty showdown looming there so uh penticton agreed uh, council last fall uh, at the uh, urging of the provincial government to allow a homeless shelter in an old church there. And the council recently served notice on the shelter that the permit to operate is over on the 31st of March. Uh, That led to a showdown with David Eby. Eby said, look, if we don't have a shelter, if you don't extend this, uh, these people are going to be going into the parks and you don't want that. Um, uh, the mayor and Evie had a nasty phone conversation. The mayor hung up on Evie. Uh, the council's view is that the province has got this temporary shelter but didn't deliver all the wraparound services. The community's fed up with the shelter. Evie asked them to reconsider, and yesterday uh, Penticton Council met and unanimously reaffirmed its earlier decision. Huh. The shelter is out on March 31st, and ball back to David Eby. He's threatened to override the council, so we'll see where this goes. But um, where are the people supposed to go? David e- Pardon? Where are the people supposed to go? They're just going to. Well, you know, what, whatever one thinks of the way the government's handled this and David Eby, and I understand the reservations in the community. I live in a city where, in Victoria, where they let people move into the park, and it's going to be one hell of an exercise to get them out of Beacon Hill Park. So EB has a point. You do not want these people going into the park. And these people is certainly not a term of respect. But uh, seriously, um, evicting them and moving them into tents in the park is not much of a solution. So we'll see how this unfolds, uh, whether the province can step in and 
Eby has said he's still willing to talk to the council about remedies, so maybe there's a solution here, but it doesn't look good after that vote at council yesterday. Now, can you think of anything like this happening before? Has a, has a commu- I, know, I know they've had problems with Maple Ridge, too, in the past yeah. about getting something there. Yeah, you know, I mean, one of the things you see is that the, the reaction, the initial comment in Penticton, well, Again, these people, and that's the term used, um, they're, not, they're not from Penticton. Well, homeless advocates there did a survey, and they found that 80% of the people in the shelter are from residents of Penticton. Well, okay, yeah. 20% are from somewhere else. But, you know, there is, um, there is a reluctance to recognize that these are people from your community. They have to go somewhere. EB is trying very, very hard here in Victoria to set up shelters to get people out of the park. It is a struggle, and you know in Vancouver, once you've turned yeah. a park, a public park, into an open-air, 24-hour-a-day, seven-days-a-week campground, it isn't easy to undo that. So, again, I understand the sympathy. I have sympathy for the people in Penticton on this one. I, it's clear the council is in touch with its community, but... Seriously, folks, I live in a city where we turned the, the, the showpiece park of the city into an open-air campground, and it is not going to be easy to undo that. See what happens. Uh, Vaughn, thank you. Bye-bye, Simi. Vaughn Palmer from the Vancouver Sun there. Great point, too, about Oppenheimer Park. Yeah, City of Vancouver, we are learning this. It is Oppenheimer Park alone now, and we know that a lot of the campers moved into Strathcona, but uh, Oppenheimer has been closed to the public for almost a year as they have been trying to uh, get it back into shape, refurbish it, and it sounds like they're going to open part of it uh, in June, so in a couple of months. They've got a phased approach to bring bringing the park back online for everyone, but there's still so much restoration work that needs to be done there. Just getting that back, they said, up and running is going to cost about half a million dollars to get it all fixed up and, and you know, back into shape. And so imagine now they're going to have to do the same thing with Strathcona Park when they manage to get everybody moved out. That is supposed to be right on schedule happening next month, right? They were hoping to start that process of clearing people out, moving them into housing, and then rehabilitating the park. But again, that's a lot of money that is being spent on that for sure. And in Penticton, we will see what happens.